Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, got, <clears throat> I haven't changed my ears yet. I didn't want to put this headphone on until until you got on. So yeah. Anyway. Okay. Sorry, I had to grab a bottle of water. Let me transition here. Ah. Yeah, no bueno with the car. Hold on just a minute. I'm taking my hearing aids out. Yeah. So I can be comfortable. Okay, I think I'm on. Yeah. All righty. Now, let's see. Huh. I'm not hearing you. Say say something again. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I got you. All right. I was just um, looking at my recording bars, and I didn't see the bars go up when you talk, but you're good. Ooh, I just about dropped a battery off my didn't lay my hearing hearing aid in a very good place. <laughs> Don't want to drop it on the floor amongst this mess, so I'd never find it. <laughs> anyway, you've been busy. Yeah. What what happened to your truck? Well, it didn't start last week, and it was throwing an error um, error code because I've got the little device that reads the codes, yeah. and. Uh, so I called my mechanic, and he said, well, we're busy. Can you bring it in Monday? And luckily, over the summer, we're not going and doing much. And so uh, Tobin came over and helped me do kind of a, a car shuffle so that I could put it in the driveway first. We had to push it using the other car, and Lane was nervous about that. And so uh, and that way, we had then the Mazda to drive. And so anyway, uh, today, then I called AAA, and they came and took it over there. Don't don't they haven't heard back from them with any diagnostics or anything like. No, that. they just got the car. I mean, they you know they, they're, it's going to take them a while to do it. And they are, I already told them what the code was that it was throwing, so they know what the issue is. You know, it's oh. it's a sensor failure, and it's there's it, one of two sensors, and one of them's a cheap you know thirty dollar fix plus labor, probably one hundred and fifty bucks. The other one is. Uh, not just a sensor, but it's like it replaces the distributor because it's for camshaft timing. So there's like this thing that sits yeah. down in the in the block like a distributor would, you know, yeah. and it's got gears that attach to the camshaft. And and then instead of having an actual distributor on top of it, it's got a sensor that then goes to the electronic ignition. And that is in a crappy place at the back of the engine up against the firewall. It's hard to get to. It will require a lot of labor. The part, again, is not that expensive, but it's going to cost a lot of labor for them to get in and do it. And then it has to be installed just right or it doesn't work because you got to make sure that the engine's, you know, top dead center, basically, before you put the thing in. And then you've got to get the gears lined up just right. It's just a pain. And so I'm not... It, it's, it's all about timing, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, unfortunately, that one, should that be the problem... 
uh, will end up being time consuming and expensive, but it's got to happen. Um, it's when I, when I had the engine rebuilt a few years ago, I had to take it back in multiple times before they got that right. And so, yeah. um, and now it's out again. I read several things online that said, when you do re- do this, make sure that you just go buy, go buy the Ford part. Don't go buy a, a, a third party manufacturer's part, buy the Ford part. Because if you, they said they may meet all the specs, but the Ford part lasts, the other one doesn't. And my guess is when they rebuilt the engine, they just went and got a part from, you know, Napa or whatever parts store. Yeah. Um, and so, uh. Yeah, once they do the diagnostic and talk to me, I'm going to say, "Hey, look, just get the part from Ford. I'll pay the the extra for the part from Ford." Because yeah. you know, that I've, I've read enough to, to I had that happen. I had to replace the um there's a a, a multi-purpose switch that fits up on the, around the steering column that is the uh, that controls your um your uh you know, your blinkers, your your window wash and, and a couple other things. I had to replace that switch. It had just gotten worn and I bought a part online and it also failed. It didn't work quite right. I went and got the Ford part and it was like night and day, just plugged it in. It worked fine. You know, so, <laughs> and again, I did that myself and that was enough, you know, and, and, but you have to pull the steering wheel off and you have to do a bunch of other work. And so it's like to do all that, put in the other part and then not have it work. It's like, you know what? I think I've learned my lesson. Just buy the dang part from the, from the people who made the car, you know, it'll cost you more, but it'll save you time and effort in the long run. Yeah. Anyway, I like your shack out back sign. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Where'd they have that done? Uh, Elaine or Jensen found a place online rather. Jensen had done the artwork for it. And, and I used that on some t-shirts and some other stuff previously. And I'd been telling her one time, one of these times when she's down, I wanted her to paint on the shack, this, this, you know, paint that onto the shack. And, Uh and, uh, and instead of doing that, she, uh, bought the sign or, you know, printed and, uh, so she found a company online that does outdoor signs that are designed to do that. And it's on a really thick piece of aluminum. And so um, I'm going to bolt it up to the side of the shack here before long. But I just I thought it was kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, That's a thick piece of aluminum. Is that what you said? Yeah. And when I say so thick, a... I mean, it's, you know, it's like an eighth of an inch. Oh, yeah. So, so it feels solid. feels real solid. It's not something that's going to feel flimsy or bendy. You don't pick it up and you can't like, you know, you can't shake it back and forth and see it flex it's it's very rigid yeah so the rest of it's just the paint on it from a, a uh-huh. or stencil, stencil or whatever some kind of paint so. and the, the the letters are actually just cut out so it's just a black rectangle that's been painted on there and then the other stuff is dropped out to show the aluminum through it oh i see that's the actual aluminum under underneath yeah you see you can kind of see the aluminum is about a half inch border around that the, then the yeah. black is painted onto and uh, there's a little bit of a, a, a kind of like paint booger that scraped off uh, on, on the left-hand left. side. Yeah, you can see it, the little tiny spot. I'll probably yeah. hit that with a Sharpie. But when you look at it, with you know, with if you angle it so you can see it in the light, there's a little ripple in the paint there. And I think it was, um, she said that they ordered it and got it to her really, really fast. And I suspect it's because that, 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 that little paint booger is probably because they started packing it before the paint had fully set up. Um, uh, yeah, uh, because the rest of the paint is is really, it's a heavy duty. Whatever it is they're using, it's designed to you know be a sign outside that's going to look great for years. It's a company that does signs, so yeah. 
It's not yeah. just like, uh, you know, one of those sort of generic printing companies that puts your face on a mug or whatever. Um, right. This is a company yeah. that does outdoor signage. Oh. <clears throat> well, that's nice. I like that. And I like the little studio with the microphone on it. Yeah, that was sort of Jensen's idea, the little, uh, and the, the shape of that little building is sort of like the shape of my shack. It's got a, you know, a one pitch roof. Um, yeah. A little window. Um, yeah, it actually had two little windows. And when I built it out inside, I covered up one window because I needed a wall rather than a window, but I still have the other window on the side that faces towards the, the West. Well, you have an air conditioner in one of them, don't you? No, I, I, when I built it out, I just made a hole in the wall. So the air conditioner sits in a hole in the wall. There's never been a window there. And then the, um, the, um, uh, window that's on that side of the building, Actually, I built that window, too, but I put, like, a it's a bathroom window in there, so it's all uh, frosted glass that goes in there. It's a double-pane frosted glass uh. window, so it's, you know, it lets light in, but I've got a, a blinds I can pull down if I don't want the light to come in. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, Shack Out Back has gotten a few um, a few upgrades over the last week, I went through and put the new air conditioner in, and that then required that I, the air conditioner sat sort of behind my uh, computer rack. I had a small rack with stuff mounted in it, and a whole bunch of stuff that sat in it. I had like three things that needed a rack, and then the rest of it was just stuff sitting inside the, the cabinet, the rack there. And yeah. it was it was taking up a lot of space vertically and sort of blocking the air and access to the air conditioning. So I had to unplug everything to take it out, and so when I then put started putting things back in, instead of putting everything back into that big cabinet, I got just a small rack that I'm holding that, that now holds the three little one U units, which is the power distribution, a, uh, uh, multi-port switch, and then, a, a keyboard video mouse switch so that I can have multiple computers plugged into my keyboard video and mouse. And then yeah. all my other stuff is just sort of stacked around it, sitting out instead of inside that cabinet. So I think that that's better heat dissipation, too, because it's not all in one vertical cabinet, um, you know. And so I don't have to keep the room quite as cool as I did before because I felt like I had to figure out ways to get air cycling through that cabinet in order to keep, you know, that little funnel of heat um, yeah. uh, cooled off. And so um, anyway, that meant a lot of, uh, you know, pull, unplug everything, move it all out of the way. Then lift out an air conditioner, lift in a new air conditioner, get that all wired and sealed into the space, and then put everything back over underneath the air conditioner and plug it all in and make sure it all works. So it's it was quite and, quite. And the, you were uh, and you were doing this in a hundred degree heat, right? Uh, <laughs> thereabouts, yeah. It was fairly toasty, um, you know, because uh, the air conditioner didn't work. So once I got the air conditioner working, all was much better. When I was actually putting the computer back together, I had the air conditioner on, and the new air conditioner is uh, very efficient and, and cools very well. And so, and in fact, it's I've been creeping up the temperature on the, the thermostat setting on the air conditioner because it's keeping the room significantly colder than I need it to be. In fact, almost uncomfortable to sit in cold. And so, um, I have been uh, slowly bumping it up. I mean. Uh -huh. I have the thermostat on the air conditioner set to 75, but it's in a really, really small room, um, you know, comparatively speaking. And it is, uh, and so the the thermometer, I've got two separate thermometers on the wall here, and they're both reading like 68 degrees. 
And I came out here the other morning and it was like 63 because it had been cold all night too. And it was like, yeah, I can't sit in there. It's like sitting in a meat locker. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, okay, I got to find a happy medium. So I keep bumping up the thermostat, which is great. That just means that it's, you know, running more efficiently and using less electricity because the air conditioner doesn't have to run that much. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> I did a little research and I used a website called The Wire Cutter, which unfortunately i'm not thrilled with it but i guess it doesn't matter in the long run as far as the the website you know itself is concerned and maybe it's better for the employees but they got bought out by the new york times but if you go to the wirecutter.com they're sort of like an online modern version of consumer reports in that they do evaluations of all kinds of different things and they tell you what their recommendation is and then they usually say and if and if you want to get a fancier version you can buy this more expensive one and if you want a discount version this is the best discount version and they explain very clearly their criteria as to how they judged it and they and, and everything that they tested but um I have found that their recommendations are generally pretty solid they kind of started out doing techie kind of stuff but they've expanded into all kinds of things including uh you know, window air conditioners, which is one of the things that I, I so I bought their recommended window air conditioner, um, ah. and I have bought their recommended product and several other things. So, um, kudos and thank you to the folks at the wire cutter, uh, because, uh, yeah. you know, they've got, uh, they've done a, a good job. What I like too, is that you can go through and read their criteria and then it's not too hard to say, well, but those aren't important things to me. I'm more in, you know, this other criteria is more important to me. And so I want to use that for making my decision, and you can still use their research fairly easily, um, you know. But but other criteria for, and, and I'm not saying this is what I did, but I mean, for example, like with my air conditioner, you know, I don't care if it's a great air conditioner if it physically doesn't fit in my space, right? So I've got to, you know, if 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 you know, they yeah. say, they say the most important thing is the efficiency, and I'm going well, but. No, really, the most important thing is, does it fit in my space? Then the efficiency, you know? <laughs> and so you've got, you know, everybody has their own criteria as to what's the most important thing, right? Yep. Um, so, yeah, if you've never used the wire cutter, um, I think it's a great resource. It's not necessarily, uh. I don't always necessarily agree with them, but I have on several occasions and bought their recommended thing. And I've never been disappointed with buying what is their recommendation for whatever the product was that I was researching? Is, is that a value recommendation or what? See, everything to me is tied to money. Right. And they, they do that. Basically, they say, here's the best thing. Uh, they, they include value as part of their, their deciding factor, which is why they sometimes, uh, for certain products, will say, like, this is the, the best product. This is the one we recommend, you know, for the best bang for your buck. It works really well, does what you want, blah, blah, blah. If you want a more deluxe experience, here's this other one. It costs more. And it might beat that one in some ways, but we didn't feel like it was beating it in sufficient ways to justify the extra cost to make it our recommendation. But some people might prefer that. Or if that's important to you, you know, those extra bells and whistles that you might be getting. Like I um, used it as a recommendation for um, um, on my truck, which we were talking about a minute ago that's now in the shop. Um, I replaced the original factory forward radio with a new radio that's a head unit that basically all it is is an fm radio and a port to use carplay and that's all it is mm. and uh because carplay is what i use in my car i you know my wife when she drives it puts the fm radio on but for the most part um i only use it i mean, almost exclusively as a 
way to use CarPlay. And I installed it because the, it also uses the screen as a uh, backup screen. There's a camera on the back of the vehicle that was installed. I had it installed when they installed the radio so that it helps you know, me see behind the vehicle because I've got a neck injury and back injury. And it's difficult for me to turn and see about what's behind me. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't, you know, I yeah. ma- made me really nervous at like grocery stores where I'm backing out and I can't see what's behind me, Kemp, you know, and it's, and I can't really turn. And it's like, I don't want to roll over somebody, uh, you know, behind me because I just can't, you know, it's, it was unsafe. And so I went and bought this and had it installed. Um, and the one that I got was their recommendation. It was a Sony unit that wasn't cheap, but it wasn't terribly expensive. And this is, I don't know, I probably got this done, you know, eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, They also had a more expensive unit that had a little bit bigger screen that fit in the same space that also had other features. You know, it, it had like the, the screen would tilt down and it had a DVD player so you could watch or, or a CD player built in. And I, I looked at that and went, but I don't use those anymore. I, I could, I've got some still, but that to me didn't bring any value. I use my phone as my music playing device or my podcast playing device. Um, you know, and I really wanted just a good car play experience. Um, this screen, they have, you know, capacitive touch screens and then they have the, um, uh, what's the other technology that's kind of like a contact. Um, anyway, this was, well, go ahead. I replaced the one in my Jeep that had capacitance touch. Those were, that was a real early technology that was not very friendly. I didn't think. Well, isn't uh, a isn't that what iPhones are? Is capacitive touch? Uh, is that what I call it? No. I'm trying to remember the language here. So anyway, um, that that earlier technology that was generally not good is used a lot in cars because it is better for the really really harsh environment of you know 150 degrees Fahrenheit vehicles yeah. uh, sitting in the sun and still functioning. So a lot of cars still use that. Although a lot of them are switching to capacitive touch too, which is more expensive to make. Um, that said, this Sony unit had the, the older, cheaper technology, but they raved about the fact that if you didn't know that, you wouldn't know because it was so well done. Yeah. And so I got it, and I agree, and it was much cheaper. You know, so I went with their recommendation that was the you know affordable unit, and when I say affordable at that time, I think it was like close to four hundred dollars. Um, but the the expensive one was like six hundred, six hundred and fifty, something like that. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, for another two hundred fifty dollars, what am I getting? A DVD player that I don't care about, and a screen that's a smidge taller. And this one in particular had a feature that I like, and that is on the side of the screen. And this is part of the reason the screen was a little bit smaller than the more expensive unit. Is for volume, it had an actual physical knob instead of. Uh. You know, yeah. tap, tap, tap to slide up or, you know, uh, so I didn't have to use the screen to control the volume. I literally had yeah. a knob. And to me, that was a feature that was critical. I want to be able to reach over and turn the volume up or down. Uh, and yeah. and so that well, was a big deal. Now, you didn't buy it installed. Uh, no. To me, that, to me, that was the most important thing. When When I had my Jeep, I don't have it anymore. The radio basically quit because it was dependent on this cheap touch screen to do everything right and when that quit i said Dude, this is a piece of junk you know i only only thing were the presets that i'd pre previously used you know right and uh that had buttons separate buttons yeah. I, I i can't remember the details of it but but anyway uh 
I bought it only because I I could get it installed. It, right inside of most dashboards is a big deal. And well, I have done the, it in the past. I've done installations myself, and you're right; it is a chore. It, it, even the professional took two hours to get this do- job done. Right. But but the other thing that I really liked about it is is that all of the switches it was made to be work. It was designed to be put in my particular model of the Jeep, mm-hmm. in the sense that it had steering wheel controls for things right. that were, were now wired in. And, in fact, it had things that features that the Jeep didn't, uh, Jeep radio didn't have, like this new one. He put a little microphone up there in right. the dash in a kind of a nice place because you could talk to it. Right, and mine has that, too. That's required for CarPlay compatibility. You have to have not only uh, a microphone, but yeah. a microphone of certain uh, uh, specifications in order that yeah. to get clear enough voice for, for the uh, voice commands and things to work yeah. with it. Well, so, anyway, that, yeah. that, that, that's the way this radio worked, worked with CarPlay. Right, and so, that, so that's why you had to have that, that yeah. microphone. Now, I bought mine without getting the installation, but then I went and paid to have it installed. I just went to an installing place and, and paid them. Oh. To just do I, So I paid them separately. So, I mean, I didn't do the installation myself. I, I'm... You know, again, beyond being able to crawl around underneath the vehicles on my back and run wires and doing that kind of stuff, it's. I mean, I, I could get it done, but you know, it'd be a, a long, multiple, <laughs> multiple day uh-huh. process because I have to keep stopping to, to you know, I, relax. I, I and can't my remember exactly who I bought it from, but it was one of these automotive stores. You know, they just about all of them have radios in there, yeah, in the back somewhere, and they have the people who install it. So sure. that's why I, why I bought it there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and Best Buy sells car stereos and they have their own installation service place. That's where I got mine installed. Yeah, I, I think Walmart does too. Right. Yeah. I did I didn't buy mine from uh Best Buy. I didn't buy the radio from them. They didn't carry the model that I wanted. But um but I went to the installing section and just said, "Hey, can I pay you to install this?" and they said, "Sure." And so they were happy to take my money. And it yeah, yep. it was like several hours, you know, I dropped the car off and yeah. then they called me and said, "Okay, come back and get it but you know it's not like i was the only car that was in there in their bay either so right. they, they may have done, done other stuff but uh but it was a pretty you know because i was having them tie it into a uh backup camera that was mounted on the back of the vehicle as well as you know install the microphone for carplay and stuff there was it was a fairly involved setup but i didn't change the speakers or anything i just kept the factory speakers in the vehicle because it's like yeah well I'll tell you what I really like is my other car, the Hyundai, which I still have, mm-hmm. is is I have a button that I can push mm-hmm. when I'm in a place where kids or somebody might be around. Before I move, I push that button, and all these outside cameras, I can look around the car. Yeah, the newer ones have that, that 360-degree sort of top-down yeah. view. So you're looking at you're looking down at your car as if you were, you know, a, a bird, it, you know, looking down. Right, right. And, I, and you see everything all around it. It's pretty amazing. I, I think that's wonderful technology because I you know the I always worry about little kids somehow wandering around or something right. you know to get and you don't know they're there right you know yeah and that's I mean that was my primary reason for wanting the backup camera but that's you know I, I don't think they have a um, uh, a view like you're talking about as a you know aftermarket and, yeah no, an aftermarket has, thing that's built yeah. into the vehicle. Um, because they're doing some funky stuff with the cameras, too, to make it look right, you know? They uh, are, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of distortion in the angles that those cameras have, and they, they fix that so that on your screen everything looks just like you're staring down from from heaven, you know, looking at your car, going like <laughs> everything's around. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant use of technology, and, you know, you've got to know lives have been saved because of that. Oh, yeah. You know? 
Tra- yeah, I, tragedies averted. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The, the the only problem that I've had with my uh, Hyundai camera system is the one that looks forward and it use, it's used for automatic braking and speed control. Right. Uh, it's built into that system. Well, it's flaky. There's a bad connector in there somewhere. So I'll be driving along using speed control and suddenly it'll give me an alert on the dash and a red light comes on saying that it's, uh, it's a problem, you know? Yeah. But, doesn't work or something that's irritating well you so, said that there was a design issue there too right they put the sensor underneath the bumper or the camera underneath the bumper under, underneath the bumper it's right. a low place where if you park against some place that's not low enough and it hits it it can be disrupted you know it, right and i think that's what's uh, why it's flaky right it's it's a bad design it should have been in the dash yeah. shooting through the um, uh, yep. grill as opposed to underneath the vehicle hanging below the bumper because there's lots and lots of parking lots that have, you know, roll stops or bumper, you know, uh, curbs yep. that you park up against that it, you know, and, and you've had that experience several times already where it, you, you broke it off and, you know, it was under warranty, yeah. but not anymore. So That's right. When, when the warranty ran out, I found the two, true cost of replacement. Then that's when I said, nope, it's not worth that. <laughs> yeah. But that's, you know, it's one of those things that's a terrible design. You hate that. You know, you go like, yeah. you guys built a really nice car. And then, you know, one of the things that the features that I like about it is is got this fatal flaw in the design that really, really yeah. just makes you feel bad about the vehicle. I felt it that does. way about Mazda. They, they designed my car uh, with, uh, you know, the um, uh, keyless entry and keyless engine start. Yeah. And the key, the remote, the fob, they designed it to be basically the size of a credit card maybe like two or three credit cards thick but then they very very specifically said do not put this in your wallet and so it's they got a tight because if you crack it or bend it it'll it'll break it's because it was not you know secure or not um, and 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 of course the replacement cost is ridiculous on that yeah 450 dollars yeah and uh and so after both of them eventually broke uh, I, you know, I was upset and the, I went in and said, can I just get this in a form factor, like a regular key fob, like every other car in the, on the planet? Nope. Um, and a couple of years, uh, later, the same model of my car, they did away with the stupid key card and came out with a key fob. So I actually went back in again and said, can I get the key fob instead? Oh no. When they changed to the key fob, they also changed the frequencies. So if I want a replacement, I have to buy the $450 card. Which will just break uh, again. It's a horrible design, and they didn't do anything to fix it, and they screwed over their their previous purchasers by not by switching it. You know, essentially admitting, yeah, that was a crappy design, but but we were going to screw you by not making the new design work with your old car. And I just thought that was terrible. I just hate yeah. that, and it makes me hate my car. I literally to the you know I I, I actually took my car to a a uh, alarm company that sells the car alarms, and had a regular key fob made so that I can unlock and lock my car with a remote, like a regular car, and I use my key to start my car, and I've been doing that for the last several years because I won't, I can't use the keyless entry because the fob won't work and it's not worth $450. I would rather spend money to work around that than have to go back and use that system. I was so irritated with the Mazda people. And that, coupled with their implementation of CarPlay, is enough to keep me from buying a Mazda again. And I love the car. That's the worst thing. Yeah. Is I really like yeah. the car. But yep. uh, I know I know how you feel. I, I I've vowed a long time ago because of a of a business of 
I had replaced the transmission and within a month had to replace it again. And this is on a motorhome. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was, you know, almost about a thousand dollars and then plus installation. Mm -hmm. And, and I was in Canada and Canada Ford is not United States Ford company. We don't recognize them as, you know, we don't honor your warranty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're different, different Ford, different organization. And, 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 and this is an RV and nobody told me that, you know? Mm-hmm. It, I couldn't even find it in the paperwork. Yeah, yeah. It just can't go to can't go to any Ford dealer. Got to go to a Ford dealer in the U.S. of A. Yeah, yeah. So I, that that says I'm south on Ford, and I I've been bad mouthing Ford to everybody ever since. Yeah. I mean, it's not just me. I'm I'm so upset about it that I just can't find anything good about Ford. <laughs> well, you know, I've got a mechanic who says that he he was upset with Ford too. He was talking about they have that big like um, uh, serpentine belt that runs in the front of the car, and it's just one belt. And yeah. I can't remember which part it was. He says, but if you want to replace, I think maybe it was like an alternator or something. He said, on a Ford truck to replace the, the alternator because of that serpentine belt, it's like fifteen hundred dollars and and twenty hours of labor. And he says, yeah. on on a Chevy, it's two hours of labor and costs you two hundred fifty bucks. Because, yeah. you know, because I can get to it and, and it has its separate belt. I don't have to disconnect the entire engine. Um, you know, it's just a different design. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I mentioned the Mazda implementation of CarPlay. I flat out love CarPlay in my car. Would not buy a new car without support for CarPlay. But uh, I happened to rent one time on vacation uh, a new Mazda that had CarPlay. It was great. Plug in my, my phone and get ready to use it. Um. They have this beautiful touchscreen, but CarPlay does not work with the touchscreen. I have to turn a knob to highlight what I want to touch and then click on, push the knob down to click on it. So yeah. instead of reaching out and touching on the screen like every other touchscreen in the world and in their own touchscreen interface, this just doesn't work with CarPlay. With CarPlay, yeah. I'm not allowed to actually touch the screen. I have to turn a knob. And, and, and there, you know, if you read their instructions, it's, it's a safety feature. Well, everybody oh. else lets me touch the damn screen, and it works just fine. And I don't know that it's that been that unsafe anywhere else. And in fact, I found it a much, much bigger distraction to have to, you know, get my hand down onto a knob and then turn around and then try to see which thing it's highlighting as it goes around to pick what I want. Yeah, um, it doesn't, it doesn't you know, work. And you're just it's, turning a knob, and it's randomly jumping around, going around the screen, deciding what's the next thing that you're going to look at, and then clicking on it. And it was just like, what a horrible, horrible, horrible design. Whoever implemented this obviously has no computer experience whatsoever, uh, you know, or they're an idiot who thinks that they they know better than everybody else in the world. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just, you know, I, I saw that and I went, okay, the combination of the the keychain and now their implementation of that makes it really hard for me to buy a Mazda. And again, I say I that knowing full well and admitting I love the car, I love the way I, their vehicles drive, I, I like how I, they ride. I, ha I have concluded that probably one of the best selling features of a car would be a good place to put a suction cup so that I can put what I want on the dash and screw you guys when it comes to electronics. I yeah. don't want any of your crap because you're not yeah. in that business. Well, you know? you know what? Apple's trying to move forward with that, right? They 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 previewed at Worldwide Developer Conference uh, updated version of CarPlay where they basically just run the electronics on the car. So they're going to contract with some yeah. manufacturers. And it'll be really interesting to see how many manufacturers find that people come in their stores going, do you have a car that just runs, gives all the electronics over to Apple? You know, do you have the advanced CarPlay? Because that's yeah. what I want, you yeah. know? Oh, it'll uh, sell. 
Uh, It'll sell like gangbusters. Yeah, because I know there's already people who walk into dealerships and go, you know, does this car support CarPlay? Because that's you what know, that's a you, that's a gotta have. You, you, you know? go back, you go back, and you keep going back to people that you trust. Yeah, they don't they don't rip you off on mm-hmm. some stupid thing like that. Your and, doctor, and, and your like, mechanic, and, your dentist. It's, exact, it's exactly <laughs> like you said. Is all it takes is one time because you don't replace a car, but once every ten years, typically I don't. Yeah. Anyway, maybe maybe somewhere after seven, I say, you know, but uh, it, I have it for a long time. So anything yeah. that you gave me that's really bad there is going to really, you know, churn up my anger for a long right. time, and I'm not going to get over it. Yeah, well, I'm certainly <laughs> going to remember. It's a big ticket item, and I will remember the things that irritated me about that vehicle, and I will say, yeah. has somebody else done it better? Now, you do have to think sometimes, too, am I trading in these irritations for different irritations because different manufacturers right. make different yeah. decisions on things, yeah. you know? And so when I'm ready to get a new car, maybe the fine folks at Mazda will have figured out how to implement CarPlay in a less irritating and, and annoying way. Um, there's actually forums online talking about how you can go in and and change the interface on the stupid Mazdas so that you can use the touch interface with your CarPlay. There's there's hoops you can jump through to kind of hack the system, and that that uh, should tell the people at Mazda something. When 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 you've actually got forums on how to avoid the the method of using the system that you guys have concocted because it's so bad, um, you know, you would hope that they would learn from that. You know, and and basically cars are simple things. You don't expect a whole lot from it, right? A, a comfortable seat in case so you can. You yeah. can sit there without being dis- uncomfortable. You know, yeah. Uncomfortable. You want reliability so, so, and and basic so, so, functionality. So, yeah, <laughs> and, and and the basics. But electronics has become such a part of people's lives these days yeah. that 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 is where they've really gone wrong. They haven't been able to do the job right. I I don't think any of them do. You know, yet. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny too. They're so proud of their stuff too. And like when you had the Jeep and you went to go get a new radio installed, did you ever think to or even consider going to Jeep and saying, "Hey, I just want a new Jeep radio?" Oh, I did. I checked it and, out. And, and what did <laughs> and, and what did you learn? Because I know this answer. <laughs> well, well, first of all, we we can't tell you problem uh, unless you spend about seven hundred dollars for us to go in and take the radio out and look at it to tell give you an answer right you know that was the first thing the diagnostics is seven hundred dollars right you know and, and did they even tell you how much it would cost to just replace the whole radio oh, oh, oh yeah that was two thousand right and that's the thing i have i have done this too it's like you know i just want to put back in the radio that's there and even if you were to just buy the hardware from the parts department and, and then go install it yourself, the hardware, they sell a car radio, which you can get, uh, you know, anywhere yeah. in town from an, uh, with another brand for maybe 200 bucks, 200 yeah. to $500 is probably, literally, they start around $2,000 for, for manufacturers' well, radios. And, and, and you're going like, for this junky radio, seriously? I, you know, for $2,000, yeah. I could put it in a, a pretty darn good aftermarket entertainment system, <laughs> probably better than my house. That's right. So anyway, that's why I went to the aftermarket. Yeah. Because I thought that I was going to have trouble selling the car. Right. As it turns out, I sold it with the RV. Uh, I pop, and if I had waited a little longer, when the uh, prices of of uh, used cars went up, <laughs> oh, I probably yeah. could. I probably shouldn't have sold it with the RV. But anyway, yeah. it's, it was a done deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's it's. 
yeah, exactly. You can't you can't spend your time second guessing yourself for those things. You you got it done. Yeah. We we had a um, last weekend a uh, garage sale. Community we live in does like a community garage sweat sale twice a year. And mm-hmm. what's nice is is that everybody goes and gets their license from the city to do their you know yard sale on the same day, and then the community also then advertises online and places so that we get big crowds coming through because they know they can drive through our neighborhood and hit lots of different yard sales. So you got those yard sale people that you know that's sort of their hobby, or their some people do it as a living, going around to yard sales buying stuff and then either fixing it up or reselling it. Yep. And um, and so we get a good crowd. And I know there were several things that we you that we didn't haggle as well as we could have, and so we gave them really good deals. But uh, uh, as I was telling uh, uh, my brother about it, it was like, um, yeah, I could have gotten more for that, but it's a win-win because I got rid of it. It's no longer costing me to store it somewhere, so right. so it's gone. That's a positive, you know? I mean, because yeah. you know, the alternative from my perspective was I'm either going to donate it, if it's donatable, or throw it away. So if I can get somebody to, A, carry it away, and B, give me money for the privilege to do so, it's a win. Yeah. you know. And, and yeah, if I didn't make as much money as I possibly could, all right, sure, I'll give you that. But well, you know, I'm not in this to make, to make money. I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll happily take whatever money I can. But that, uh, that, that was the problem of owning a, an RV and having to play for, pay for storage. Right. And, yeah. and, and I, it was outside storage. So the worst thing is, is that I had that. You know, we uh, mm-hmm. it's haven't a, been using a, dimin- it. a diminishing uh, um, uh, investment, right? Because the longer yeah. it sits outside, the less it's <laughs> less the value it is. Right. The last time we had driven it anywhere long, we came to California in 2018. Right. And so, if we'd have come back and said, "Well, we're not going to use it anymore. We just ought to sell it," uh, we would have for for uh, foregone another problem that came up. By having it parked for three years, it turns out that a leak developed uh, on the on the side of the motorhome. I I knew the the roof was a big issue, so I had had that redone. You uh-huh. know, and and so you, you you do that every four years. That's just the routine when you own a motorhome or mm-hmm. anything that moves down a road, because uh, leaks will get cracks in them. From right? Just the yeah, yeah. It moves and torque on it yeah. and yeah you've well, got to keep it sealed I had, up I, I had no idea that a little groove on the side where there was just a partition and it actually opened up i didn't even see it I, I, but i didn't examine it because i didn't think that on the side was a worry about such a thing right well, anyway water had when it just get just moisture from the side gathers there at night you know or sometimes uh mm-hmm. due to change in temperatures and stuff and it runs right down into this little crack, and oh. it had been doing that for a year at least because the in, and the wood in there was under my bed, the bed that slid out, uh huh, and that whole bedroom, the, the back, the floor in the bedroom under the bed had to be replaced because it was rotten. So wow. water just kills you. It yeah. was awful. Well, that's true of it, you know, of, of so that, homes that, that don't was... move around too. Water is is the 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 big big destroyer out there if you don't you know yeah that that was a two thousand dollar expense yeah well over that actually, i was gonna say i would say two thousand dollars is probably a bargain given what you just described that that that, it was more than that because i i I had multiple places i had to to pay uh anyway it was it was awful yeah 
yeah. But, you know, that's probably something that had you even been um, still, you know, a full-time RVer and living in it was going to happen, too. That's just oh. a design issue where it's like, oh, there's a place where, you know, dew gathers and drips down in and just, you know, the water is eventually going to do its thing. Yeah, we'd, we'd have probably, you know. You might have caught it sooner because yeah, you were it, living it, in it. it. It it may it was probably partially damaged when we were driving around, except that right. most of the time, you know, at least in the Southwest in 2018, it it wasn't getting wet, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. You uh, live in my neck of the woods. There's not a whole lot of rain, and and it's probably that's what it was too. You know, realize that you know it's three years in North Carolina. You guys get summer rains, and I mean it's a beautiful green place, and that there's a reason for yep. that. You know. Yep. Uh, you know. From New Mexico, Arizona, you know, West Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, Cal- Southern California, that whole stretch. We don't get a lot of rain. <laughs> By the way, let's, why don't we move on to a technology thing? Did you read that bench, uh, M2 benchmarks? Group? I did read that. I read that the other day. Um, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it, you know, I guess it, it, I, it, what I think is going to happen is when Apple comes up with upgrades to their things, they'll continue to keep the older ones around for quite a while because yeah. it'll just depend what do you really want. Right. The, the, basically what they're saying is, is unless you do a lot of graphics, you just stay with the M1. You know, it's it's fine, but it's if you really do graphics a lot, then, then go for the M2 because it's going to always probably cost more than the M1 because it does mm-hmm. that job better, you know, and right. it performs it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're going to see a mix, right? Because they're going to have yeah. the um, the M1 will still stick around for a while in one form or another, uh, you know, and then you'll have the M2. But then, you know, when you start looking at the, the, the pros and the max and the ultras of each of these things, um, you know, I mean, we don't have any of those of the M2 yet. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if... if if we see just, you know, at any, at some point, a mix of chips out there, um, you know, and, and I said it before too, but I'll repeat it. I think that, you know, the, the computer that they haven't, there's two computers that they're selling right now that are still Intel based computers, right? They still sell an Intel based Mac mini. And I think that's largely because a lot of Mac minis are sold into like, uh, server rooms and there's, uh, those people don't want to turn over their inventory. They maybe have custom software that's written there. I think that they would probably find that the M1s are going to work fine when they, you know, if they actually start testing there. Um, but then yep. the other one is the Mac Pro. And I would not be a bit surprised, you know, because they said that the, we, we, the Ultra was the, the ultimate M1. Now, mm-hmm. if the Mac Pro comes out, I think that's an indication of one of two things. Either the Mac Pro is never going to have an M1 version. It's going to just go right to the M2. Yep. Uh, and that way, when they introduce it, it'll be faster than the studio that has the M1 Ultra in it, right? Because it's going to have right. like an M2 Ultra. Or, and and they didn't, some, something in the way they phrased it made me think this. We'll see if that's the case. Is the Mac Pro won't have an M series chip. It's going to have a series chip that's all to its own. Well, that that to me is the more logical thing. And so that one, you know, and we talked about this a little bit last week. You know, if you think about yeah. it, the M1, I mean, the, the, the current um, Mac Pro, desktop Mac Pro, doesn't use the same series Intel chips that any of the other Macs ever used. It uses Intel's 
professional workstation grade uh, processors. Yeah. And yeah. and so I see no reason that Apple wouldn't follow that same <laughs> sort of map and say, well, wait a minute, this machine is a you know professional machine that has a significant um, you know markup to run, right? You know, it, there, there's a premium to to do this, but it's designed for people who need that. And if you need that, you know it. And so why wouldn't they just go out and say we're going to build a special you know Z chip for that one? You know, we've got A chips and M chips. We'll have a Z chip. Maybe they wouldn't go Z though, because the or, or or X because the current ones are the Intel Xenon chips, right? And so <laughs> yeah. maybe they wouldn't want to go Z and and make, draw any comparisons to Xenon. Maybe they'll call it something else. But uh, I would not be a bit surprised if that's the case. Now the only the only thing that would maybe be a, a, a gotcha in that to me, or a, or a possible argument against that would be that it is. The volume is so low. Can you justify if you're Apple doing a custom chip for that machine? You know, and they might. They might just say, "Look, we we can we can do." You know, there there are some factories that make chips that are designed to make a million, you know, or or more chips because they're going to go into iPhones, right? But right. there are, there are low volume factories too that are designed to say, "Hey, we just need you know, a couple hundred thousand of these." You know. It's hard to say, you know. It's, uh... Yeah, I mean, the people who obviously the people in Apple who make these decisions know that, but I mean, it's it's basically I think it boils down to a lot of math, right? It's yeah. it's like the arithmetic of cost versus payout, right? Is the, is the value to us of having this custom chip for this for this processor to make it really stand out as the you know the obvious and most amazing? Can can we you know is it worth it for us to be able to stand up in front of the world and say? We built the best computer chip ever, um, or not, well, or not, because it's expensive to do a small run, a short run. Yeah, uh, and another thing that I thought about, but uh, you know what, you got to bounce it off of uh, the the whole idea of a, a series of processors that doesn't antiquate your software. You know, you, when it comes down to it, over time, like Intel uh, has has been able to continue to sell their chips and probably will for a long, long time yet. Oh, sure. Uh, only because of the instruction set, you know, they mm -hmm. own that. And and uh, when you have Microsoft have their whole company built, you know, on that, on that yeah. instruction set, you know, they're not going to... Uh, uh -huh. Move well, suddenly either they're not moving suddenly, but they are already they're they're working and they've announced they're working pretty doggedly to to bring their uh, windows on arm up to snuff. Yeah. They've seen what Apple yeah. did. And and I think they're they they feel like there's writing on the wall. They're not going to walk away from Intel chips anytime soon, yeah. but they're certainly, you know, working hard to make sure they have that other pathway. Should that prove to be the, the, the smarter way to go in the long run? Yeah. Uh, and another thing that I thought about is, you know, uh, what's the possibility of exploring uh, a thousand word or bit wide instruction set? Mm -hmm. You know, really wide architecture. I, you know, to the extremes. Right. Uh, it's always had some uh, performance benefits in the past. And now with the low power and make a really wide word instruction 
So that that might make some sense. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So you're saying maybe the the but 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 that drives you to a different different set of software. That that's the problem. Yeah, that. that's what I'm saying. You recom- but if you're somebody like Apple, it's it's more easily done because you own the whole set, right? Right. I mean, you literally right. run the compiler as well, so you can go and optimize the compiler. You know, I think they've got a lot of gains yet to have with what they've got, but. But yeah. you know, they're, you're right. I th- I'm, I would be surprised if they weren't doing some exploration of things like that to say, like, you know, where, where's our next transition going to be? I, I'm just, I'm just stepping back from the whole thing, and you know, I'm saying, what are the classical uh, sort of innovations in the past been mm-hmm. to get certain benefits and and uh, yeah, parallelism and wide work instruction set and uh, yeah, y- you know, all these have benefits yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but they also have drawbacks and so it's a cost analysis cost benefit analysis on all of these in terms of what do you gain for what's it going to cost us to to implement technology yeah. a b or c right yeah and and so and apple if nothing is really good at making those cost benefit analysis and saying well you know this is the direction we want to go does this make sense? Does it give us what we want? You know, can and, we make a product that? that... And, and they've been successful at making some significant, significant transformations that a lot of people wouldn't even think about. You know? Yeah, I mean, just just the the basic uh, instruction set when they went from the sixty eight hundred uh, machines, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to to go into Intel, that was. You oh, know, that you was missed a, a step. Deal. They they went to the Power PCs before they went to Intel. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So they went from the Motorola sixty eight hundred to to the PowerPC instruction set for a decade, and then they went to Intel. So you know, and now they've gone from Intel to to their own hardware. So they've done this multiple times now. Yeah. And that's you know, name another company that has just you know said, okay, from the ground up, we're going to change direction because we think we can, you know, gain. We can make the product we want to make by doing this. You know. Well, it's obviously been uh, a good decision because uh they they uh they come from way back to where they're way ahead of the companies that stuck with the other old stuff you know yeah yeah so now i was helping a a friend of mine buy a new computer um uh this last uh week and uh and one of the things i said we went into a Best Buy, and uh, so I just met her there and said, okay, I'll help you pick out a computer. And now I know she is a person who works in an office, has worked on Windows computers her whole life. She's got an Android phone because that's what she's comfortable with. Um, and when she went to get a new phone, she just went and got another Android phone because that's what she wants and she's comfortable with it, knows how it works. And I told her as we walked in to pick out the computer, I said, I'm going to say this right now just because I feel like it has to be said. If I were buying this computer for myself, I wouldn't consider anything other than uh, an Apple computer. And there's, you know, the the new MacBook Air that's just been announced. It'll be available, you know, at the end of the month and mm-hmm. uh, or next month, you know, it's it, within the next 30 days or so. And I think that, you know, that or even just the, the M1 MacBook Air that's available now is going to be a far better computer than anything you can buy that runs Windows. And it's and I think you would be thrilled with that. You know, I said that said, you know, you, part of what she was getting it for was to store to to digitize and, and manage her photo library. And so she wanted some storage. And I said, you know, you're going to spend twelve to fourteen hundred dollars for that. 
and you'll be able to buy a PC that you already know how to use and has that amount of space for half that price. And I said, I won't, I won't beat you over the head with it again, but I'm just saying that up front. And uh, it was really funny because she did end up getting a, a, um, an HP laptop that had the storage that she wanted on it for almost exactly half of that price. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the guy who's selling it to her is pulling it out from underneath. And she asked the question, she says, now, is there a case that I can get that fits on this? Like, fit, like a phone case. And he goes, well, there would be, if you bought an apple, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because PCs come in a thousand different shapes and sizes. No, nobody's ever made cases for them, but like the MacBook air, you could buy cases that snap onto it and protect the, the computer and keep it from getting dinged up. And, yeah. and I just smiled and, and, and she like looked at me immediately and went, did you pay him to do that? <laughs> Was that a setup? And I went, no, no. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, well, you know, um, you know, but I also understand somebody who's going out to buy a computer and says, these computers all work on an operating system that I know and I'm comfortable with. And I'm not willing to spend $1,200. I understand that. Yep. You know, so um, she took it home and had her, kid helper set it up and is perfectly happy so yeah you know. oh yeah yeah when you when you've got kids and you got to have multiple of these things it, it really adds up then yeah yeah well and she's got like uh one kid who started college last year and another one's their senior year um and both of them got new computers recently so so this is now the third computer that they've bought in the last uh, like you know a few months and so it's well, like yeah I'm, I'm not spending any more money well, on computers well, see see the other thing that you're faced with is there's different school districts who mandate use of chromebooks and other stuff sure. like that you know yeah so you know you go go with the flow <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so you know and again I don't begrudge anybody buying what they're comfortable and know how to use because it's a big deal learning how to use something new. And although I think the transition from like a Windows PC to a Mac, most people doing that would find it's really, really easy. You know, it's not like you have to really spend a lot of time figuring it out because, you know, let's face it, the PC, whether it's a Mac or or, or a Windows machine, is just a launch board into your app. You know, you learn your app. And most apps are available on both both uh, platforms and are pretty much the same regardless of which platform you're in. So then all you have to do is learn the specifics of like, you know, in this operating system, the windows always stay at the top left of the screen. They don't follow you in the window, you know, yeah. or in that operating system, you know, you, you right click to get this, whereas in this operating system, you, you know, yeah. double click to get that. And so you learn those things, but you pick that stuff up just amazingly and, quickly. And, and, you know, it's never an all in one situation either. I mean, I look back at, uh, when I changed over and, uh, it was a nice time because I had retired and was no longer, you know, tied to business. Units. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so you could spend now, the time figuring things out if it didn't yeah. quite work the way you were used to. Whereas if you've got work you've actually got to get done you don't want to spend time figuring out well how do i do it on this computer versus that computer you just want to do the work yeah however even though i did all of that uh and like what i've got uh i have always had a yearning deep down for having visual basic behind my word product you know the oh yeah products well you did a lot of work with that that's right that was to me uh a unique 
unique capability, you know. That that could have kept me with with uh, uh, Microsoft and and uh, regular PCs. It was just that uh, there were other things that Apple was doing, especially in the mobile devices, that ultimately made more sense to me because I was mobile in the sense that I was in an RV for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. you don't go back, and I'm assuming that Visual Basic is still there, right? Um, Visual Basic, you know, it it was one of those things that's still behind the, the, the Windows-based stuff. They took it away from, they had it behind Apple for a while, then they took it away behind the Apple, and then I understand it's back, so that you can now do the Visual Basic with the uh, Apple-based Word products now, too. Um, and from what I've read, there's several people who have said that they actually prefer using um, uh, like Word and Excel and stuff in their web-based uh, versions more than they do even when it's on the platform. So then it doesn't matter what platform you're using. You can use a Chromebook if you want. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of that kind of stuff has changed these days in terms of, you know, the platform specificness. You know, in, ter- in terms of automation, Apple has done several different things, and I've never found mm-hmm. any of them as useful as the Visual Basic. Yeah. At least because, I... it con- because it connected to those other products. Right. You know? Well, Apple had, um, and still has, still there, uh, a system-wide scripting language. And when you build things with Apple's developers' uh, uh, tools, it you build hooks into your applications for AppleScript. And mm-hmm. it's automatically there from the compiler. Uh, and I worked for a newspaper where one of the guys in the newsroom had built a series of Apple scripts that basically created a complete production flow for the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And and they relied on those scripts. Now, I, as the guy who was in charge of, you know, support, computer support, had yeah. issues with that because basically... One guy wrote all the scripts, and if that guy gets hit by a bus and something goes wrong, then we're basically all screwed, because now I've got to go back and troubleshoot his code as he wrote script, and he did not do a very good job of documenting anything, because he was not really a programmer. He was a newspaper writer who, you know, got yeah. a bug up his butt about doing this. He did a fantastic job. You know, uh, Jeff Beebe, if you're out there, you did a fantastic job writing those scripts. It just, be- it was good. I saw it as a as a support and management nightmare in the long run, but uh-huh. it was, but it helped the newsroom immeasurably in terms of, you know, well, you know, you did activate the script by doing this key combo and it would automatically format pages and do all kinds of wonderful stuff that helped the newsroom in ways that, you know, I mean, it was just, it was really innovative thinking on his part. You know, nobody can program a job for your business than the person who's going to be the user. Yeah, nobody can do it better than that person. The because, problem is, because, is that that person sometimes doesn't have good programming that's, skills, that's true. and Most so like of the time I doesn't. yeah, so like <laughs> I said, I mean, he he taught himself how to do this, and he did a fantastic job doing it. But you know, is the person who's charged with the maintenance and of of the overall computer systems, I'm yep. the one people would call to say, you know, hey, this isn't working right, and he was while he was there. But the thing is, is that you know he's not going to be there forever, and I don't want a whole newsroom dependent on a bunch of, of script code written by somebody who didn't document it well. You know, it's, you know, how how's this all work? What's this call to? Oh, it's all in Jeff's head, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, that's not good. That's not good at all. And so yep. you know, if we're going to support this, we need to be able to understand how it all works. 
so that we, I know you know or if I, he's no longer there and somebody says well you know hey now we don't want it to do this we want it to do that can somebody change it yeah <laughs> okay I, I, I was in an air force office where yeah. a guy named captain Birnbaum had written a whole bunch of code that everybody depended on and mm-hmm. he was transferred <laughs> yeah and it's like, well, yeah. that's that's great until until it suddenly breaks, and then you're yep. like, uh oh. And, and and you know what happened to his code? Everything was thrown out, and they started over. Yeah, yeah, you know. Nobody, and, he 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 did it in machine language, even. You know, I mean, it was absolutely horrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's great and efficient, right? But but can you imagine trying to manage and troubleshoot that? Oh yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I worked. I worked with the guy, and he was smart, but he thought he was smarter than he was. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, is a lot of people who do those th- kinds of things. You know, uh, kudos to them. They're they're out there solving problems and getting things done. Yep, love that. But they don't think about the bigger picture in terms of the usability and the maintenance and the you know keeping this going after they're gone. Yep. You know, they just figure, well, if anybody has problems, they just call me. Well, but you're not going to be here forever, you know, and yeah. and so you and trying to explain that to somebody without offending them is not easy. It's yeah. just it's not <laughs> easily done. You end up in offending them. Let me just tell you, at least that's been my experience. Maybe it's, you know, my lack of skill set there. But um, I end up offending people because I was like, <laughs> are you freaking crazy? This is not the way to get this done. And, uh, and, and it wasn't quite that blunt, but it was, it was, it required, it led to some headbutting from somebody who I really liked and got along with and admired a lot, but it was just, it was, it was not uh, a, a pretty situation for a while. Um, trying, mm-hmm. trying to explain the issue with, you know, why this is not the way to go, <laughs> you know, but, um, I, I go back to the, to the idea of Apple script. Apple had this, the system wide scripting language and still has it. Um, you maybe you've never played with it that can do pretty amazing things. Um, and in fact, they even expanded it a few years ago that there's now a, um, an app that allows you to basically record your, your, uh, what you do on the screen, like, you know, click here, pull down this menu, do that. Mm -hmm. And then you can go back and edit that script so that you can then, you know, have it triggered when certain things happen with key commands or times of day or things like that. So there's lots of things that you can go uh, automate within the operating system. It's just built in. Yep. So, um, and it, you know, if you get into that kind of thing or you have a need for that, it's really, really cool. And it's, and it's at the system level rather than uh, the hardware or the software suite level. So, you know, beyond um, Visual Basic basically working, you know, on, yeah, you know, Microsoft's, right. you know, four main apps. This worked with every app that ran on the operating system. So you could, you know, really get into the nitty gritty if you wanted. Yeah, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, going back, no, knowing the guys who started Microsoft and all mm-hmm. that uh, they when what I think really helped their company get going they started by just building basic you know, yeah. basic langu- language that's right. what was on the home computers for hobbyists and right that was that was their original market yeah that but was the, their but, their but major the, product that they then ported to lots of different operating systems in the early days of computing but the fact that they stuck with the basic as being a backbone of a whole lot more in the mm-hmm. in the operating system once they had windows out uh really was important to their success 
Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it was very smart of them to do that. Yeah, I, um, uh, uh, you know, they didn't quite do it at the same level of Apple Script, though. They didn't like build it into Windows itself, right? It was really part no. of the Office suite that used the right. basic behind it. Would have been interesting if they at the at the system level done that. You know, because although remember the early days of Windows too is that a lot of the application development wasn't happening on on Microsoft's uh, with Microsoft developer tools. There were lots of programming languages and compilers that were available from other companies. Uh, you know, Microsoft eventually controlled that market, but not initially. Right. You know, yeah. um, I'm trying to remember the name of the company that made like. Uh, Turbo Pascal and and um, um, oh, I'm trying. To, there were several. There were several others in the early days that you know, if you wanted to build apps for for a Windows computer, they That's had right. they had better IDEs, better integrated development environments than Microsoft had. They did. Um, in fact, you see, that's what I liked about. Oh, Bor- Borland is the company I was trying to think of. Yeah, Borland. They had some really nice development tools. Yeah, I I like them a lot. And, yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> one of the things that we had was the Commodore 64 computer. Right. And to me, that had a uh, plug-in cartridge for not basic, but something very close to basic that they called Comal. Right. C-O-M-A-L. And Comal uh, had a wonderful integrated uh, uh, system for building code. And that was, that was my absolute favorite. It had mixed in a lot of Pascal time which was also a, a more structured language than basic mm-hmm. and uh so anyway uh mm-hmm. I, I i still have yearnings for for uh comal some days just like i do for uh going back to having visual basic and embedded in the, the microsoft software yeah you know yeah but it was just Good days, good memories of the times when I was doing those things, and, mm-hmm. and I I got a lot of work done. It was for for my own professional benefit that I had those tools to build on, because I did some really neat things for the company I worked for at the time, which was TRW. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I don't know if that company exists as a standalone anymore because they sold off a lot of the military parts of it, but mm-hmm. but they were headquartered in Cleveland, and they I haven't even thought to look it up. I probably can find them on the web find out what they're doing yeah but it was yeah. a very very diversified company so it yeah they did, did a lot of things. did a lot of things they made car parts yep. <laughs> i mean they, yep so they, did. they were in a lot of different areas airbags one, one yeah. of the big things yeah that yeah. was in fact a troubling part of it was the airbags because there was a year few years where the cars airbags didn't deploy and they, they that was a big deal yeah for them, I mean, they, they they lost a lot of money on that. Yep, I'm looking at uh, Borland here on uh, Wikipedia, and it was like I remember Borland Delphi, uh, and yeah. C, they had a couple different C plus pluses. They also had the Turbo line, so they had Turbo Delphi and Turbo Pascal. Um, I remember uh, CodeWrite and IntraBuilder, and those were um, uh, development environments like editor editing systems that were pretty cool. Um, let you do things. Remember, they had Quattro, the their spreadsheet that oh, was their answer, and, right. they, and they introduced some things in Quattro Pro that uh, I guess they bought that from. Uh, uh, no, okay, it's now sold by Corel. You can still buy Quattro Pro, um, but uh, Quattro 
did things better than Lotus One, Two, Three, and better than Excel in a lot of areas. And Excel very, moved quickly to to duplicate a lot of those features, um, and ultimately won out in terms of popularity. But Quattro was a pretty pretty cool spreadsheet at, at the time. I remember that. And Sidekick, that was their their first thing back in the DOS era. Oh yeah, Sidekick yeah. was a must have app in DOS because it it sort of gave you. Uh, a little bit of multitasking it had like a planner and a notepad and a phone book and a calculator and stuff that you could pop up while you were in another app, which was awesome. Yeah. What 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 was that uh, uh, outliner that we uh-huh. was just called outliner? Um, trying to remember, they had uh, oh, Paradox. Remember that? That was their relational database. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. They had some really good. I liked that company. They just had some cool stuff. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find the outliner, what they, what they called it. Um, Borland reflex was another database management system. <laughs> Turbo lightning, which was their, uh, their, uh, terminate and stay resident DOS program. That was a spell checker. That was a big deal because spell checker wasn't built into word processors initially. Yeah. I don't see the um I don't see the the outliner that was here. I don't remember. Was it part of Sidekick maybe? Boy, I don't remember. Yeah, it's been a long time. Huh. I, I, I just don't remember, but I don't see the, the you know, I'm trying to see like the names of stuff. Uh, I remember the database. I liked. I I still have an affinity to database type stuff. I, I in fact I I kind of wish that they had um, you know better easier data like like uh, access database that that uh, Microsoft sold. There, I've never seen anything on the on the Mac side that has a database that was as accessible and easy to create stuff with as that. Um, that didn't cost a lot of money and, and add a lot of complexity that you didn't need, which has always surprised me that they're, you know, I remember in the, before they had, uh, OS 10, the, uh, uh, the, the original, like I think it was system seven OS, um, that there was a, a nice little, um, flat file database that I liked a lot for just creating quick little thing, little, little databases, little apps that would like, you know, manage information, um, and I just don't feel like there's a good one out there yet. I played around. I've looked at several times. Um, and I just, you know, it'd be nice if there was something like that today. Um, of course, you'd probably want it tied into like iCloud so that the data would be in the cloud and then sync between multiple your devices, right? So if you made something up on your Mac, you'd want it to be able to sync to your iPhone and iPad or vice versa. Um, so it adds a layer of complexity. But, you know. Yeah. I mean, I know people who loved DBase and dug into DBase, but that was a pretty complex system too. It wasn't just simple and easy to use like Access Database was. Yeah, Access was the one that I really spent a lot of time with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that one. Not, I that spent some. Go ahead. That's they don't have that on the Mac. You know, they only have offices. Right. They don't have it on the Mac. That's what my point is. There's nothing like that on the Mac either. You know, um, there's not a good, a good easy to use. Um, database database on the Mac that's a simple one that's not expensive you know I don't want to spend thousands of dollars I'm not building you yeah. know 
uh, I've played around with some and, you know, and there was a couple that I found that looked like they might be usable, but then they were like, oh, you've got to have a subscription to it. And it's like, well, I don't want a subscription. I just want a, a little database that I can have that I can play with and, you know, and, and put together information so I can track it, you know, like uh, the things that I, I do with my swim team. So I want to be able to track times and things like that. And it's like, I don't want to do it by somebody else's app. I want to create my own little database so that I can look at, and manage the data the way I want to. So, uh huh. Anyway, I'm looking at databases for Macs, and I found out there's a stable cross-platform database called SQLite. Yeah, I've looked at it. Uh, I've not found any that I was happy with. I mean, if you find one, then, you know, let me know. Um, so, kind of going back to this article about VM2, um, you know, there was a few things in here I thought was a little strange. It was interesting. One, one is you talk about bandwidth, like 50% more memory bandwidth. That alone is going to make that a much faster chip than the M1. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know? that's... And they just kind of threw that in there. I mean, the faster CPU and the faster GPU, you know, and the fact that the the GPU has 10 cores instead of 8 cores. I mean, you know, those things are all going to add in, too. But quite honestly, almost more than anything else is that memory bandwidth. And they didn't, you know, talk a lot about that, but... Um, you know, it's a it's a hundred gigabit memory bandwidth now. So so um, real high performance and moving that stuff back and forth. Um, you know, uh, and then they also went to faster memory. This one is now uh, DDR5 memory instead of DDR4, which the previous M1 had was DDR4. Um, I didn't realize this, but apparently um, I've read now several places that the M1 used DDR4 memory. And then the M1 Pro, the M1 Max, and the M1 Ultra all use DDR5 memory. And now the M2 is using DDR5 memory as well. So even in in uh, single processor speed, things would maybe feel faster on the upgraded uh, processors because there was faster memory in the system. Uh. So... Um, Anyway, I just think it's, you know, it's interesting to look at how, what did they do to upgrade it, right? The other thing that they did, nobody talked about this, but they've since, or at least initially, Apple doesn't talk about these things, but but others have come out and found out that the M2 processor runs at a faster speed, that it's a higher frequency processor. Clock rate. Uh, yeah, the clock rate is uh, is up, uh, up to, what is it here, they say, uh it can run its high performance cores up to 3.49 gigahertz, which is a 10% gain over its processor or its predecessor. So, um, but you know, that also means that it heats up quicker, right? So maybe like, you know, in the, in the, uh, fanless MacBook uh, air, it might not be able to run at high speed before it throttles back as long as an M1 could. Whereas in a phone, in a in a laptop like the the 13-inch MacBook, yeah. Sorry, Todd. You just there? I I ah, I, you hung I, up on me. I bumped it. Yeah. Yeah, I I I shouldn't have been yeah. trying to hurry. Well, I was just saying, you know, it's like the the you know the the it's interesting to see the areas that they advanced on the M2. You know, and from that, can we say what are they thinking in terms of like how they want to grow these systems and get them faster? And they did, you know, like what they didn't do was they didn't 
add cores to the CPU. The cores that are there are a little bit faster, right. but they didn't add cores to the CPU. Um, they just fine-tuned it in the sense of saying, oh, we can run the right. clock a little faster. Now, they did add they did. cores to the GPU. So that's interesting in terms of, you know, they feel like they need to, to, to advance that because mm-hmm. I think they recognize that one of the things that they got knocked a little bit for um, was that their processors, their, their graphics capabilities, while better than the Intel, you know, the built-in graphics in the Intel, it was, that's about what they were, a little bit better than the graphics on the Intel. And they were certainly not better than Intel chips that had discrete graphics from uh, companies that make graphics cards. And so they feel like they mm-hmm. need to bump that up. So, you know, the, the basic M2's got a 10-core GPU um, that, you know, will become a 20 or a, you know, 40-core GPU in subsequent iterations of M2 Pros and Maxes and such. So, um, you know, that's an area that they knew they had to bump things up. Um, their neural engine also increased processors, um, you know, and I'm, I'm wondering... What's that going to? Pl- how's that play out? You know, what's that do for us? Because they, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't have a good handle on what that does. They talk about it every time, and how you know, and how many you know processing units it has. But what does the neural engine really do for you and me? Well, I, that's that's a weakness that I have. This whole business of of mm-hmm. uh, artificial intelligence and neural engines. Uh, were were just sort of in their infancy when I was retiring, and uh, so I haven't had any motivation to go dig into that. So I uh, I wish I did, because uh, I know it's important and and getting gaining in importance all the time. Uh, but uh, basically, uh, neural engines had basic uh, modeling of how they understood the brain to work with with interfaces that uh, was the main thing because there were so many neurons connecting different things in the brain and in the so in the modeling the communications of information and how it was linked together was a was a big thing but I've but I have no practical experience working with the tool to say what that really means when it comes to actually using right. a, you know a product uh, I'm I, I I, I think the best way to, to approach this would be find out what products exist out there and it, maybe there's some freebies or something just to play around with and, you know, that's usually the case when there's something in a new area. People build little test uh, articles to to illustrate, you know, uh, concepts and... Uh, that that's the only way to get a real feel for yeah. what this stuff is all about. Yeah, I mean it's just, you know, they talk about it. I just don't know what is it, you know, when I'm sitting using my computer, what does that do for me that I that um that I don't that I, you know, wouldn't have if it wasn't there, right? And I mean, it's built into the, you know, the was it the A11 I think was the first one that had the um machine learning capabilities, that neural engine built in, but I just don't know what specifically i'm buying there i well, guess i take that uh, back you know it does do uh, apparently that's that's where a lot of the processing on the facial recognition uh goes and it will have some impact on like augmented reality recognizing what's in a room and how to overlay stuff onto it but augmented reality is such a yeah. uh non thing right now you know i mean it's it's this thing that we talk about 
like it's coming, but the hardware that's going to really make it worthwhile well, doesn't exist. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, by the way, I think that's the one big thing Tim Cook wants to announce before he says what? goodbye. It's probably it's probably closest to uh, having some practical applications in the sense that uh, I uh, was watching a show on the on the internet today that basically uh, uh, it was a YouTube show uh, where a guy was talking about Meta Space. You know, Facebook has right. even renamed their company Meta, and he was talking about what the Chinese are doing, and he thinks that uh, when it comes to applications for this kind of stuff he had some examples that that were really kind of uh enticing that i hadn't seen before uh, that came from mm -hmm. some chinese companies right. alibaba is one of them that's invested a lot of money and that's their their biggest company that's it's kind of a, a google started at least as yeah. google like well they do uh, they're like an amazon type place too but yeah but it basically is to to uh uh, make things a lot easier for people to do the things that they're used to going out. It's, it's going to change the way we give do me a for example. In other because... words, they're kind of for, for example, uh, uh, buying things in a store. If you go look at your current examples of the way you buy things in a store, it's just a picture of a product and that's it. Uh, in fact, a lot of times if it's, if the scale of the product ma matters to you, uh, you shouldn't buy it unless there's something beside it that gives you the relative scale. I've, that's, that's the mistake I've made most of the mm -hmm. time in shopping online. But, but then when it comes to uh, uh, other things that you want to buy, uh, you, you might want to... Uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Get uh, a, a better understanding of of softness, mm -hmm. for example, uh, uh, and it seemed like there was a way where you could push on the screen and get some sense feedback. Uh, what do they call that? Uh, 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 when when you touch something, right. haptic. Haptic is the term. There's some development of haptic technology that allows you to to now integrate with this intelligence to to feel. Uh, something because it simulates what the same feel you would get from a of a different mm -hmm. type of texture and stuff, you know. So right. that becomes a, a yeah. Part so of you're talking about augmented reality. Thing. So you're it's, saying it's, that it's, the neural engine's primary purpose for existing, you think, is the augmented reality, and that there's a variety of uses for that. Because the one they've talked about is is or the two they've that I've heard people talk about with augmented reality is the online virtual online so you'd be able to like put on goggles and the other one was it'll recognize people and then be able to pop up things like their names and their you know their spouse's name and things so when you're out in social situations you won't feel like you have to remember everybody's names because it'll it'll remind you who this is and and you know who they're affiliated with that kind of thing uh you know yeah uh but at, anyway uh the the ultimate goal is to engage all how many senses? Depends who you're talking Five, to. Five senses, <laughs> touch. Be, he, he, <laughs> well, I suppose, but you know, currently electronics does the things that it does best: video and audio, right? And uh, 
and the and the video can be text visuals as well as you know pictorials but uh but there's they're going to try to expand this so that you can smell for shopping reasons simulate uh there's a lot of work being done on this and, and apparently in china that's what they're doing as well as this touch thing but the touch seemed to me the most adva advanced thing that's coming along and anyway they're putting a lot of money into it so at some point you put mm -hmm. lay your hand on this haptic surface and but you can feel it and have smell vision and 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 because if you're going to replace what you can do in the real world you need to right. engage all the senses because some of them are critical especially if in the food thing now i'm not sure how much you don't go around the grocery mm. store sniffing things some people do pick up the vegetable or you know <laughs> if, the fruit and you smell it say does know. it smell right you know yeah yeah you're yeah, going to order your online pizza. You want to be able to, but... you know, the, the, the pizza company might want you to smell the smell of the pizza, right? Cooking. Well, what, 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 you know what came to my mind? I was thinking, you know, it would have really been neat if it had been in these old Western movies and you're out in this, in this, uh, corral and yeah. you know what smells out there. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, have some you know, beans some... while you watch the movie, right? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure those are smells we want to simulate. <laughs> No, but but smelling oh, has become quite a yeah, science, it's, it's, you know. It's, yeah. As oh, taste is another one. Now I don't know yeah. how they'll ever do the taste, you know, unless you taste, put some bread in your mouth and make it. Yeah, I don't know. Somehow taste different. Yeah, I, I there's. Um... But you know, uh, your daughter Katie's in the business of mm -hmm. uh, making food products that use a lot of artificial flavors. And those are that's quite a science, and that's that's all taste related. You well, know? artificial and, and a lot of natural food. flavors too. I mean, like they, they you know, they've got. Uh, she, for those who don't, yeah. she's a chocolatier. She makes uh, real high end uh, chocolates, and um, you know, they. She's talked about like, oh yeah, we get the, you know, like we do a a, a coffee um, ganache in this one candy, and we use coffee from this specific you know, roasting house and certain types of beans in order to get that, that taste that we want. Um, for father's day, they did a root beer float and, uh, and, uh, she sent me some. And so I got, I got to taste it and the, the root beer float, you know, they used a root beer from a local place in town there where she, that, that, you know, they make their own root beer and it, they used that root beer. It wasn't just, you know, gen generic root beer taste from somewhere. And so, um, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. it's kind of a combination of, lo you know, using local sourced things to make it. Um, but also those are, you know, natural flavors that they're using, not, you know, what, what a lot of people don't realize is very often when it, you see something that says it has artificial flavors in it, um, a lot of those flavors are, are types of fungus that have been grown. You know, they're not even, you know, it says, says mandarin lime flavored. Well, they didn't use mandarin limes. They, they used something that created a, a flavor that, that tastes like mandarin limes. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, speaking of these, uh, developed flavors, uh, uh, just recently Haley and Brian had gone to somewhere in South Carolina. I think it was yep. Myrtle beach, North Myrtle beach. And they went to a, a store and they brought back some uh, cookies for us and as soon as I saw them I says I bet they're lemon they look like the lemon cookies right. that I bought in Charleston South Carolina <laughs> when we were on a city tour one time and anyway w the reason we bought them is the lady was so proud that she had several different flavors that they have this new uh, 
uh, there's this company that sells uh-huh. this flavoring, you know, yeah. and it's it's man-made. It's not not real at all. But that lemon tastes better yeah. than the well, best Well, and the reason the companies go for that is because they get consistency. You know, growing using natural yeah. lemons yeah. from one lemon to the next, the 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 bitterness and you know this lemon was on this side of the tree and that lemon was on that side of the tree got more sun this way or you know happened to get more water um that affects the flavor of natural flavors a lot uh when you can consistently reproduce the flavor uh through an artificial means sometimes even it's a natural product but the flavor is artificial so you know it's it's using all natural components but the flavor is not you know what it it doesn't come from what it proclaims to taste like. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it, 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 once you've experienced mm-hmm. one of these cookies, these lemon cookies, you remember that forever. To you, to me, right. that's the ideal lemon. Yeah. You know. And and the thing is, because they're using that that source, it'll taste like that every time they make it. Right. The, the variability goes away because right. they're using a source that is consistent. So, so there's reasons for that. And it makes yep. a lot of sense, you know, and the same thing is, holds true in the, in the computer industry with like the AI stuff, right? Is, is it's, it's, um, you know, the things that we like to see, like the ability to, um, uh, you know, do the facial recognition or the, uh, the augmented reality. Um, you know, I, I, I said, I didn't know what the AI thing does, but now that I'm thinking about it, I really do know several of things. Like one of the things they brought out in the worldwide developers conference, uh, uh, was it two weeks ago was that the, um, the, uh, ability to take your picture and then grab something out of the picture, like a, you know, your dog or well that's all done by ai it it goes in and says this is a contiguous thing in this picture not a uh you know just a bunch of pixels and so it it figures out what is and is not the dog so that you can then just grab it and move it or you can create layers in your picture it knows with the information on the from the the uh from the phone what is closer what is further away and so it allows you to put things in the uh, middle between the two things. Yeah, in the last Apple event, didn't we see a deal where a guy could somehow, I don't know what the command was, but it basically took a cutout of a picture of a photograph, you know, just uh, like like as if you were to take a scissors and cut out just Yeah, that's what I just said. everything but the background and you could Yeah. Uh, is that is that what you're talking about? I don't remember what, what, they, what called they call the, that? Uh, what Apple particularly called that feature, but it was um uh, I'd have to go back and look at the um, at the keynote again to see what they called the feature, but it essentially was the ability to to select items out of a photograph without having to go in and trace around that item, which is yeah. you know, traditionally that's what you would have done. It will yeah. automatically de- determine. And I right. use the example of a dog. You could like take a dog and cut it out of a photo and put it into you know grab it. Right. And delete everything else, or you could grab it and move it around within the photo. For, for lack of a better term, I would call it objectify, I, <laughs> because that's sort of what you do. Yeah, you, you get an object. My guess is that's probably not grab. what Apple Marketing yeah. called it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably not. But so, um, I'll see if I could see see what they called it. Um, 
but you know so there's there's several things that I don't know. To me, it seems like all the, you know. There's a lot of money and effort put into putting the AI in the chip to do things that are interesting, but they're not like critical to the use of the device. <laughs> you know, I may never like grab a, a yeah. something out of a photo and move it around. Um, I will say though, there's some features that are nice. You know, um, the the last version or the or the current existing version of iOS now allows you through that AI engine to select any text out of a photo. That was another thing that was added in recently. And that's really handy. I've done that several oh, yeah. times. Oh, yeah. I've, you know? It is. Although, when I, I, the, mm-hmm. while, while I was waiting on you, I decided to try some of the new upgraded features in uh, Message. And one of them was you can, you can re-delete the something that's sent. And I says, I want to delete my OK. Right. Remember how I had OK? But that's in iOS 16, which hasn't been released. You don't have it. Uh, I deleted it, and then I put it back. And I was wondering, on the message that I sent to you, did you see two two OKs in a row? I did see two OKs. Or did you see only one? So so it deleted right. it from my screen, That's but not That's because yours. that feature doesn't exist yet. It'll oh. come out in iOS 16, which is not shipped. In iOS 16, you'll be oh, able to delete okay. the text that was sent, and uh, and or um, what was it? They, there was delete it, um, uh, or uh, the other thing you'll be able to do is like after you hit send, you'll be able to go and edit it real quick. Yeah, I, I right. couldn't edit it. That's because it's that. not been released yet. It'll come out in iOS 16. So, so the me- your, your your message after that was tow truck is scheduled. ETA is right. 54. I have, have okay, okay. There, huh? Tow truck is scheduled. Yes, that's exactly what I have. Ah, okay. So I I only have the original one or the second one I put back right. after I deleted it from mine. <laughs> okay, that's I, I'm glad I. Got back into that because I wanted to know right. what happened. <laughs> All right. No, it'll so come. There it'll yet. come but with anyway. um, uh, iOS 16, but that's not there yet. Let's see. Lock screen focus. Uh, I, I'm trying to look at. Um, Features they've got. I found a, a website that lists all the features. Oh, it's actually Apple.com website that lists the iOS 16 features. Um, live text and videos. Text is completely interactive in a video. Okay, right now you can do it with snapshots. Now that now you're going to be able to do it with videos. Yeah, that's kind of cool. You'll be able to oh, pause really? a video and then grab the text and copy it. So, you know, something I found that handy for huh. is when I'm sending somebody a package. I snap a picture of the receipt, which has the tracking yeah. number on it, and then I copy and paste the tracking number in a text to yeah. them and say, hey, here's the tracking number. And Apple automatically uh, recog- recognizes uh. that it is a tracking number and says, do you want to track this package? And if you click on it, then it'll like tell you where it is. So huh. it's interesting. I'm looking at the their list of stuff, and under... Um, the section that is uh, photos, and it's uh, photos and and oh, is this okay? That's iCloud library. Maybe that's why it's not there. I want actual photos. Uh, okay, here's uh, 
No, that's lock screen. I was trying to find the thing where they talk about that that taking the item, the objectify item that you were referring to, to see if we could figure out what they called it, so we could refer back to that. And I. Or you can save it in photos. You, you, it's not no, you, you're missing what I'm asking or what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm trying to figure out what they call it. You know, what is that feature? Oh, um, and it doesn't seem to be anywhere obvious um, looking, but I just I don't see. Yeah, well, it's hard to talk about something when you don't have a name for it. You know, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Right. <laughs> and, but we tried to guess or to even describe what it was and, and they don't make it easy uh ah photos duplicate detection so photos identify duplicates and in, in, and you can quickly clean up your library that's nice uh it's funny they don't talk about it at all they i found the photo section hmm. and they don't talk about the you know like select something out of it they don't refer to that in, in any way Weird. Yeah, it wasn't in. It wasn't in photos. It wasn't in. And I saw them demo it though, so I know they've got to talk about uh, about it somewhat. They are going to support Bulgarian and mm. Kazakh now in their languages. <laughs> so, bu- I said, said they're what, now going to support two say? new languages: Bulgarian and Kazakh. Oh yeah, that been waiting that on that. Kazakh, right? <laughs> <laughs> except they didn't add Bulgarian or Kazakh to their new languages for the translation app, uh, but they do have Turkish, Thai, Vietnamese, Polish, Indonesian, and Dutch. So you can use the Translate app built in to translate those those new languages. And they updated weather with mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff from uh, from um, Dark Sky, which is good. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, when when are we supposed to get that? Sometime yeah, end of the year. I mean, it's one year? of those deals like always with Apple. Um, you know, there'll be a public beta probably in July if it's something that you really want to, you know, put a beta on. But until I'm confident that it's, you know, really solid and stable, I'm not willing to do that. Uh, at least not on my things that are, my equipment that I, I need, you know. My 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 daily use my daily drive phone. I'm not going to do that on. If I had an extra phone that was compatible, I might do it. Uh, I might do it on like um, my iPad because I don't need to use my iPad to get stuff done. You know, especially during the summer. If it was during my swim season, I wouldn't mess yeah. with any of my equipment. But during the summer, I might update the iPad early. I don't know. We'll see. I am. A member of the developers program too so i could get it now if i wanted to but uh again i've i've read varying things some people say that the current um the new the first beta that they've launched was a little flaky and others have said it's actually pretty stable um but until it, the consensus is that it's very stable i'm not sure i'm willing to put it on my on a machine that i want to be able to use you know and as yeah. as everybody said anytime you put a beta on the last thing that they do after when they're when they're developing is go back and try to make everything work um, power efficiently, and so right now they're just bug, you know, bug fixing and, and finishing adding functionality. Uh, 
Um, and so if you put yeah. the beta on, your battery use goes wait, you know, your, your your device won't last very long on a battery anymore. And um, I guess, you know, it's yeah. not like I go a lot of places. I'm at home, so I can just plug it in when I need to. But, you know. By, by the way, I, I got some news off Facebook the, last week that I want to tell you about. There was a guy in the class ahead of me. My, mm -hmm. my oldest brother was in the same class uh, that <clears throat> has been competing for years in the National Senior Games. And he's now uh, uh, 82 years old or 83. No, he's 83. And he just got back from Florida where he won uh, third place in the long jump. Now, uh, I knew that he's been winning medals. Mm -hmm. He's got a picture of his medal for winning that on him here. But uh, he's been a consecutive winner of the long jump for the last three years. Mm -hmm. First place, you know. And and now he's kind of dropping down because he's getting older. And he, his comment in here was, all those guys were a lot younger than me because the senior group, they let them come into there starting at 65, you know. That's a heck of a difference between a 93-year or 83-year-old yep. guy and a 65-year-old. <laughs> so, so he's. It's funny because you really say that well. I've heard a lot of places where they and, break them up by decade. So you know, if you're in your 80s, you compete against people in their 80s. And if you're in your you know, yeah. 60s, you compete against people in your 60s. Yeah. Now, now John has always was been a good athlete in, in high school, and he was a coach in, uh, for years after that. So he's always been in athletics of all different kinds from baseball football basketball track uh -huh. and whatever uh but but he's never gone into the pros or anything like that and what was i thought was interesting is that in the facebook some other people had commented about the guy who won uh in some of these other events uh in the senior games that in florida and most of them were people that you would recognize the name has been a mm -hmm. former NCAA champ or something. They're just, you know, they're seniors and they they keep doing that. But John's name was about the only one that was, yeah. you know, I knew, but <laughs> I know a lot. I know nobody else is going to know because he's from Podunk right, town, town right. in Kansas, you know. <laughs> well, probably people who are in that field know him because, you know, you're not a national champion multiple times up without somebody who's right. going out there trying to beat you. Right. So, but yeah, it's right. interesting. So anyway, I, 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 I don't mm -hmm. think I'd ever mentioned that to you before, but it's kind of neat to know that, that I know a guy who's a national champion senior yeah. at 83 years old, you know, good for him going out there and still competing oh, uh, and still top three. Yeah. 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 So uh, he's it. It's about time that he's dropping down. I'm sorry to hear it. Is, he is, but you know, given the way they, uh, yeah, group you in age groups, that's a that that's really a broad is yeah group. You know, yeah, it's a a wide stretch. So hey, I was just scrolling through the yeah. list of iOS 16 features, and I saw one that I don't remember them talking about that I think is pretty cool, and that is right now. If you want to unlock your phone in FaceTime, you have to hold it in portrait mode in front of you. In iOS 16, on some devices, it says on supported devices. Now, I don't know what the supported devices are. We'll find out. It will support FaceTime in landscape mode. And that sounds like a small thing, but that's really handy sometimes. 
Sometimes I'm I'm not holding my hand my my phone vertically. Why does I why and why should I have to? Yeah. I mean, it's still a face. It knows that it's rotated because the device has the uh, gyroscope in it. Oh, if you're if I'm going to read anything on my phone, I have to turn right. it sideways. Otherwise and so now it will it. unlock your phone even if it's turned sideways. That's a big deal to me, and they barely mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how that um, plays out. And and I'm curious when it says supported devices. It doesn't tell you what the supported devices are. And so um, uh, that may be... Um, you know, only on the like the newest phones, they maybe have changed the, um, you know, the the physical phone to like put the the what is it the infrared dots on your face so that it can then read your face better. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see if it where where it comes. Which you know, or maybe or maybe when they said supported well, devices, they just meant FaceTime devices. You know, it won't work on like a iPhone SE that still has Touch ID. Did you say Facebook earlier or FaceTime? Uh, FaceTime is what I... I did not say Facebook, but... What, well, I thought yeah, you did. I did not say FaceTime. Was... Or maybe I said FaceTime. Um, or Honestly, I wasn't trying to talk about FaceTime or Facebook. I misspoke. All I was saying is is that you can now unlock... Uh, what do they call it? Um, what do they call it when you unlock the phone with your face? Face ID. Face ID, face ID was the word I was looking ID. for. Not face, yeah. As yeah, opposed, oh. so you have to have a phone okay. that supports Face ID, and you know, not one that supports Touch ID. So maybe that's all they were referring to. And anyway, I can take my phone, which supports it, and and do well. And what I can, well, you cannot it. do I've, it because it, it will come in iOS sixteen. This whole conversation was things that oh, come in oh. iOS 16. You can't do it now. You're right. So right right uh, now, if right. you want to unlock your phone, yeah. you have to hold it in front of your face in portrait mode. And what they're saying is you'll be able to take it out of your pocket and hold it in, in landscape mode so that you're getting ready to read something, and it'll still recognize your face and unlock. That's something new. That's new. And uh, so I like that. Yeah. To me, that was a kind of a big deal. Ah. Uh. I had something happen the other day in CarPlay. I I was uh, in the car and I got a uh, a call from somebody, your brother, and, and he said, he said, oh, you're not. No, it was you. I got a call from you, and and you said, uh, you're not. Right. You're not. In yeah, FaceTime. we were FaceTiming you on Father's right? Day. And it was yesterday. That's right. And 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 I and I pulled my phone out of my pocket, and lo and behold, it pops up. There's the FaceTime, yeah. and then we. <laughs> Which is a little creepy because I thought you had to like hit but a button to never... accept the FaceTime call, but you must have accepted the call. Uh... I did. I, I did push a button when it rang on, ah. but I pushed it on the dash. You know, in 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 the uh, uh-huh. car CarPlay thing. You know, so uh, that. But and it, it apparently can sort right. out just the audio portion uh-huh. of a FaceTime call. Well, I mean, you, you know? can do a, an audio only. And it seems counterintuitive to the name, but you can do a FaceTime call without video. Right. Um, yeah. You know, but we were obviously not doing that. We were trying to, to actually do a video call. I didn't know you were driving down the road, but you'd stop, stopped and pulled over. And like you said, you pulled pulled it, your phone out of your pocket and it was already in FaceTime. So, or maybe, maybe the face ID yeah. when it unlocked your phone immediately then put you into that call that way. 
Oh, well, I, I think the, the, the key to it, in order for FaceTime to work, is you have to be on Wi-Fi. You have to be on the network. You, you did it over the it phone over the sitting phone. in your car. I did it audio only. It wasn't FaceTime. But it was FaceTime. As soon as you picked up your phone and pointed your camera at your face, it then gave you the whole thing, and you weren't on Wi-Fi. Oh, but I'm in a parking lot right next to the church, and I have a Wi-Fi oh, account you, with them. So I you was think in Wi-Fi that that, range well, with the fact, church. Well, whether you were on Wi-Fi or not, I know for a fact that you can FaceTime without Wi-Fi. I, I, I think earlier versions oh, you, you were not able to do that, but you can now. And, and by default, it will. I know oh. that for a fact because I have done it. Well, that's probably with because of... 5G or something I have where you done, got I don't I don't throughput. own a 5G phone you, and yeah. I have done it. So I know oh. that it, and I know that at one point in time it did not support that but it does now. Oh, speaking of 5G, it makes me think uh, this first time I've ever heard of <laughs> 6G was when I when this guy was talking about uh the uh -huh. virtual reality thing right. from and China's doing things. Uh apparently they have what's being going as the future of 6G in, in operation already. I didn't know I've that. I've not read anything about that, but I, you know, I mean, you realize 5G and 6G are both basically just marketing terms. So, so it's, it's probably, yeah. So w w w whatever it is, it's a lot faster because he said, the guys did say that in order to do these AI, uh, AR kinds of things that they're planning in the future, 6G is is the driver on it, and that's why he concluded that China is going to lead the world in that regard because they're already building these yeah, 6G I, things. I need more information before I can pass judgment. So, I will say that I am skeptical of that, and but but. Well, yeah, yeah it was it was the first time I ever heard it. So yeah, I, I have no, you know. Yeah, and, and he may be absolutely right. He may, they may be moving on a technology that's, you know, the next step beyond what everybody else is trying to implement. Um, but, again, I'll believe it when I have more information. I just I have not heard anything to that effect. So. Yeah, I, uh, I'll have to look up yeah, 6G. Yeah, I mean... I guess I could do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> now, there is Wi-Fi 6. Search. That's something that's out there. You know, and that's already available as a, as a advanced uh, version of Wi-Fi. And No, there's this Wikipedia has an article on 6G yeah. network telecommunications. Well, I mean, you make sense, right? Obviously, you know, if we're starting to implement, you know, the current yeah. generation of 5G in places that that 6G would already be in development and we'd kind of know what direction they're going from there. So, yeah, we'll okay. we'll see what well, see what's there. You know, I, I I wasn't questioning whether or not six G exists. I'm questioning whether or not uh, China's rolling it out in any meaningful way, and whether it uh, you know is is any and and whether yeah. or not if oh, it's really yeah. any significant uh, improvement. Because quite frankly, everything I've seen says five G is not significantly different than than four G. Unless you, unless in specific circumstances, you know, you have to be, you know, if you, because 5G talks about basically, you know, three different 
sections of bandwidth, you know, of, of, uh, and and proximity right. to the tower and and direct line of sight to the tower are important for some of the fastest aspects of that to even work. Um, you know, it just there's a lot of yeah, you know, the, like I said, the the five G sixty thing's a marketing well, thing. The specifics of like, well, you know, which frequencies are available and how do they actually function, and what are the drawbacks of each of those is is you know the question mark. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do recall that the video was a of a tower, uh, which presumably was the six G kind of tower, uh, while he was talking about it. So anyway. It yeah, looked like a tower to me. Yeah, well, I mean, and you know, I mean, the tower is a tower. I, you just, I, I don't know. I, I don't even have a five G phone, so yeah. I guess uh, you know, six G has is a meaningless word to me at this point. Just as five G is a meaningless word to me, at some point yeah. I'll have a five G device and then I'll care. But <laughs> until. Yeah, when, when there's yeah. something that's really benefiting yeah. by it, you, you know, know you... I, I. I'm so, kind of on track for a new phone this year as the I, the the was it, iPhone 14 is released and we'll see what's there and what's out you know I mean I, I may decide that the iPhone 13 is a better deal for me than the iPhone 14 we'll see um you know how much money it costs what it spends and what I get for it I'll do that cost benefit analysis as I get there but um the uh you know the when I, I I'm a little bit interested to when I get a 5G phone to see like well what does that mean where I live you know am am I going to see anything significant mm-hmm. significantly different than I'm seeing with my 4G phone and um, I've got a, a friend who has an iPhone 13 somebody that I work with and coached with and her phone was I mean she had the the big phone so it was ginormous but as far as like speed of use and stuff in the area i i didn't see anything significantly different yeah you know well anyway uh i went to a 5g website one of the pages here and it says there are uh, a trio of vendor partners that are ramping up the 6g efforts and they are uh, mm-hmm. all far east japanese uh are plowing into it. Uh, Fujitsu, Neck, mm-hmm. and no- Nokia are the six yeah. G R and D partners. Well, I mean, the sad truth is, oh. is that like there's a lot of places in the world where they have better um, wireless connectivity than we do. They've got better internet service than we do. You know, our infrastructure is is yeah. in a lot of places, you know, old <laughs> and and not particularly cutting edge. Um, you know, and unless there's an economic reason for the owners of that to spend the money to upgrade, they're not going to do it, you know, and when they do do it, they'll do it in the areas where they think they can make the most money by selling the fact that they've upgraded, which usually means population centers. So people who Hmm. live in Podunk, Kansas, don't get, don't get that stuff right away. (laughs) So, That's although right. honestly, 5G is one of those things because it, again, encompasses multiple different things. One of the things it encompasses is um, uh, better range with quality service in a lot of those funky uh, areas. And so, you know, if you live in a place that's, mm-hmm. that has not had a high density of cell towers, uh, 5G should provide for better connectivity for you. Right. Yeah. Well... Uh, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll call it time then. Um, 
So, yeah, and, and basically yeah. we had one story to talk about, and we talked about the technology of car radios and everything else <laughs> today. Um, so, anyway, I hope that those of you listening found it interesting, and we look to see you again in the not-too-distant future, probably next Monday. So, um, thanks for talking, okay. Dad. We'll see you next Sounds week. good. Bye. Enjoyed it. Bye-bye. Bye.